Welcome to It's a Small Business World podcast, where you'll get the buzz about small businesses all over the world. We're your hosts, KC and Jaime. We're both passionate advocates for small businesses, digital tech, and international trade. I'm KC Gundiam, and I'm the founder of B2B Match. And I am Jaime Volta, a tech contributor to B2B Match. It's a Small Business World is produced by B2Bmatch.com, the international business matchmaking platform for and by small and medium businesses. How about you check us out today? Hello, Jaime, how are you? Uh, good, good. How are you? Good. Happy spring. <laughs> yeah, happy spring. Um, I'm in uh, Toronto, so, you know, it's when spring comes, we're very happy. because Here no comes more... the sun. Exactly. <laughs> you, really, you really understand that when you move to a country that is not as sunny as, you know, Spain in my case. <laughs> exactly. So today I'm super, super happy to welcome uh, to the podcast, David Hornick. David is a founding partner with Lobby Capital and the creator and executive producer of the Lobby Conference. He invests broadly in information technology companies with a focus on enterprise applications and infrastructure software, fintech, and consumer-facing software and services. He's the author of the first venture capital blog, Venture Blog, and the first venture capital podcast, VentureCast. So prior to that, so uh, David was a general partner at August Capital for 20 years. David teaches business and law at Harvard Law School and Stanford's Graduate School of Business. Welcome, David, to It's a Small Business World. Jaime and I are super excited to have you with us today. Awesome. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I just want to set the stage. Uh, David and I, we met uh, in London in the fall at uh, the Silicon Valley Comes to the UK conference led by the amazing Sherry Coutu and Janet Cole. Um, I had the pleasure to be on stage with David and we chatted about uh, US investor engagement, fundraising and diversity. And I had opened with a stat, David, I don't know if you remember that stat, but it was 49% of companies are founded by women, but only 2% of VC funding is allocated to them. <laughs> yeah, not that doesn't sound right. I mean, the statistic <laughs> is right. It's just not appropriate. Yeah. I'm so uh, glad you said it. So, so just to start, you know, and, and putting a little bit of context, because perhaps people listening to the podcast doesn't, doesn't know that much. Uh, what is a VC, right? Like just starting uh, from the from the very basics. Yeah, no, it's a totally fair question and, and one that my mother asked when I told her, <laughs> oh, you know, I'm, I'm leaving being a lawyer and I'm going to go be a VC. And she said, oh, that's so exciting. What's a VC? You know, <laughs> I said, oh, well, that's a fair question. I mean, at its simplest, what venture capitalists do is collect money from uh, wealthy individuals and institutions, et cetera, and aggregate it into a fund and then meet with lots of entrepreneurs and decide which ones to invest in. So I mm -hmm. say, oh, this is an exciting company and I'll invest $3 million or $7 million. And, and then I'll sit alongside that company and try and help them to grow their business, build it into a big business. And when it works, those companies get bigger and ultimately uh, are either sold or go public. And I'm able to return money back to my investors uh, based mm -hmm. on the, the gain in those um, businesses. So 
The, the bad news for me is that it's really a financial services business. My job is to turn money into more money. I hate that very much. I have no particular interest in that big picture. What I have an interest in is working with incredible entrepreneurs to help them realize their dreams. The good news is that when they do that, it turns money into more money and then I get to keep the job. So that's a, uh, but that's what venture capital is. So you, you create money on the, like on the side, right? Like as a, as a side effect. Yeah, I, right. <laughs> it's the, it is the byproduct. It's the, it's the, um, the fumes that come from amazing people changing the planet. That's amazing. So one of the things that really struck me when we met was your style. You, for me, you were the anti-stereotype that I had for as a VC. And I, and I was fascinated by the conversation, but the authenticity and also the, the genuine care you had um, you know, for people you were talking to. And, and this is why I want us to, you know, to talk a little bit about your style. What is your style as a VC? Yeah, it's so funny. I, I've, I've been joking about this recently because there's this big AI craze. Oh, mm -hmm. suddenly generative AI is going to replace everything. And, and everyone. And everyone. And one of the things it's going to replace is venture capital, right? Like, okay, fine. What, you know, just feed in a bunch of information about the company and, And then ChatGPT can then spit out an answer. Oh, fund this company. Here's the valuation. And mm -hmm. technically, that's, that's doable, right? It's absolutely the case that you can feed enough information in. And we can tell you with great certainty that AI can give you an answer. It doesn't mean it's a good answer. And it doesn't mean it's the right answer. But it can give you an answer. And so... Um, So there is this interesting question as more and more data is available and as more as, as companies are looking to, uh, to to talk with investors who are, who are thinking about specific criteria, like those things are completely replaceable and have nothing to do with how I am a venture capitalist, right? So the good news is mm -hmm. that I don't see, you know, GPT-4 replacing me anytime soon. Um, the The open question is, is my approach to venture capital actually the best approach, right? It may be that, in fact, mm -hmm. GPT-4 is a better approach. But my approach is uh, that everything is about humans, that it's about people. It's about, the, it's about the individuals who are creating something and why they're creating it and what motivates them and why would other people work with them and why would people take a bet on the thing they're doing right, and risk their reputation. To I mean, there are just all sorts of reasons that that startups should not work. And the only reason they do work is because incredible people inspire customers and employees and investors uh, to all join hands and pursue this crazy ambition. And so my approach is 100% a human approach. It's how can we work with people to help them achieve this these dreams? Because that's what's exciting. I absolutely love that. And when we met, you would, you kept talking about building that $1 billion company. And I was like, wow, this is great. And this is, you know, th this is exactly what we want. So what are you looking for when you invest? What are so some it's of so funny, again, I just said to you like, oh, I don't, you know, I'm not about the money, <laughs> except that, <laughs> again, venture capital is about turning little companies into big companies, right? And, the, mm -hmm. and I have, I've been in the venture business now almost 25 years And, and I've had the pleasure of seeing this happen, right? I funded Splunk when it was three people and I sat on that board mm -hmm. for 13 years. And when I left, it was worth 
$10 billion and had 3,000 employees. And I've seen this, you know, Bill.com, which I funded when there were a couple dozen people and now there are thousands and it's it's a multi-billion dollar public company. The thing that is astonishing, of course, is that that happens, right? And that these, that, um, that people come to some idea that really does transform the way people do business or the way they engage with each other, whatever that thing is, and that it is so disproportionately valuable that um, that you're able to pursue this and get paid for it and then create something of huge value. And that that my 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 goal is to find people who have big big visions, and that though that and that they. That vision by taking the capital I have and the know-how and the technology they're building uh, to create real change, and the businesses that I've invested in that have turned out to be multi-billion-dollar businesses have all done that in their own way. I, and I invest in some very boring things, right? Bill.com mm-hmm. is about small business bill pay, right? Uh, you know, Splunk is a search engine for machine data. Fastly is delivering content in a better way. These aren't, you look at them and they're very specific changes to the planet, but for their customers, they're monumentally valuable. And so that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for amazing people who are trying to do something monumentally valuable that in the aggregate has huge value. That's, I couldn't say that more. This could be a T-shirt. What do you think? Heidi? Yeah, <laughs> merchandising. We can we, we can start the merchandising show with our ideas, right? <laughs> um, so, what are you know? I want to go back to diversity issues um, that we all talk about or we know about when we uh, we look at VC and investment, and there's always this gap about women not being funded enough. Um, you know, minorities not being founded mm. enough. So talk to us about that and what you think. And and most, you know, I, I want to know how to solve that, How what your idea is. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's a combination of an access problem and a bias problem, and they're, and they're directly linked, right? Because, mm-hmm. and I think we've talked about this, the best way to get to venture capitalists is to get an introduction is to say like, Mm -hmm. okay, who knows this person and how can I get to know them? And when some friend of mine introduces me to a great entrepreneur, I immediately meet with them. And that's fantastic, except if the pipeline to venture investors is dramatically harder for people of color, for underrepresented folks. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing we have to do is fix that. We have to fix the access problem, which is how do we make sure that phenomenal people, whatever their background, whatever the the color of their skin, et cetera, that they have the same sort of access, the same you know direct pipeline into the venture community that white men do. And connections. I, yeah, and it is connections. It is. It turns out it's network. It's relationships. And so how do you how do you remedy that? Uh, and so I think we need to think broadly about that problem. And uh, I, I run this conference uh, called the Lobby Conference. And the Lobby Conference is a, is a gathering of amazing, smart people, um, invite only. 250 great people come together in Hawaii to talk about what's interesting and important to them. And I have one that's a consumer business conference and one that's an enterprise business conference. And the first year I had the conference, which is now um, 16 years ago, 
I was not intentional at all about who attended the conference, which is to say, mm-hmm. I just invited a bunch of amazing people who are my friends, and it will be of no surprise to both of you that it was a bunch of white men. Mm-hmm. It, it was there were the women were so wildly underrepresented. People of color were you know were were all but non non existent in the conference. It wasn't me being intentionally racist, but it was me being thoughtless. Mm-hmm. And it became very clear that that was unacceptable, not unacceptable to the to to some outside force, unacceptable to me that this is what I had created. And I've worked for the last you know 16 years to say, this should be a gathering of amazing people from from you know from a broad range of backgrounds and how do we use that community to increase access right it's important this is an incredible group of people how do we make sure that it that the people who attend are uh, you know broadly represent the world we live in and so now the conference is you know is probably the most uh you know for, certainly from an enterprise conference is probably the the most balanced from a ma- male female perspective uh, i'm finally making real progress and uh underrepresented uh folks and so i think intent being intentional is is not important it's necessary because if you're not intentional then we will fall into the same old patterns which is okay i'm getting references from my pals in law school and it turns out that people mm-hmm. are parochial and they're tribal and they end up hanging out, you know, giving money to a bunch of white. Yeah. And, and, and your sort of regular networks, let's, let's talk, right? Like they are not reaching far enough <laughs> for me. And in lots of cases uh, is a problem of a talent pool, right? Like you're not reaching places where there could be very interesting people and very capable people, but they're, they're just like too far away from, from your own. Right. So it's, it's difficult to reach them. And you have to say like, look, you know, I'm on a number of public company boards and we, and and I was on the nomination and governance committee for a pu- public company and the head of that committee was this incredible Latino woman powerful you know former cabinet member I mean she was in a force and we were talking about having diverse candidates etc and she said um this there are amazing people we are not going to compromise on anything by saying that this is a priority of ours. And that's the thing you have to recognize, right? Is that people think, oh, great, I'm going to have to compromise in order to get access so that people, and it's like, no, you just have to do some more work. <laughs> you know, do the work. David, this is why when I met, like when I met you and we were on stage, after that I was buzzing for days because like some of the stuff you were saying was so on, like you, you nailed it. It's like a lot of like the excuse we hear is, well, we have to go with diversity, but we don't want to set them up for failure. And what you actually just said is the answer to that, is you don't have to compromise because there's so much talent in the diverse population. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Of course that's true, right? Well, that's that's a truth that needs to, again, be a T-shirt, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so... What are like the key elements? And I want the audience to get really a lot from you and from your knowledge and insights. What are the key elements to look for in a VC if you are a company looking to raise? You know, assuming this is a fit, right? The company needs to do due diligence and the VC as well. 
I just signed a term sheet with a, with a great founding team, um, included a, a, a fantastic uh, female founders. So that's great. And, um, and it was such a great example of what the process should look like. This was an amazing company and therefore they had a lot of choices and it, it became competitive. And the first thing I did, and this is always true, is I said, I'm excited about funding your company. Let me introduce you to anyone I've worked with in the past. And I made a set of introductions. Here are folks who've, who've worked with me closely and they, and they connected quickly. But then this CEO did what every CEO should do and reached out to more of my founders through through other means that I, not introduced by me and said, hey, I'd love to talk with you about David Hornick. What is it like to work with him? So he did more work. I mean, an astonishing amount of work to understand what it was like to work with me. And in the end, when we sat down and ultimately agreed to a term sheet, he said, look, at this point, I have a very clear picture of what it's like to work with you. People, it was astonishing how consistent people were about what it was like mm -hmm. to work with you. And I said, yeah, well, that's, you know, I'm a very specific thing, right? If you, uh, you know, the typical venture investor is not, doesn't think that making jokes at your board meeting is value add. I certainly do. I think that's very valuable. Amazing. <laughs> well, it can, it can also depends on the jokes. Right? Well, that is true. Yeah. There's some... <laughs> <laughs> that could be less appealing. Um, no, we, you know, so I think the key is that this is a relationship, right? And, and we've all been in relationships and it's not like, um, it's, it's not like everyone is meant for the same person. So there, mm -hmm. I say to folks when I say, Oh, I think this is an interesting business and I'd love to fund you. If this goes well, I'm going to work with you for 10 years, 15 years. Yeah. Renee mm -hmm. Lassert, the founder of Bill.com, and I have been working together now for 23 years across two companies. I, I funded Renee before he married his wife. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, he's been with his wife for a shorter time than he's been with me. Um, that's a big relationship. So you have to and so you have to find the people that that are compelling to you. And if my people first view of company building and my focus on that isn't, isn't valuable to you, or you don't think is providing the principal value, then don't take my money because it's not going to change. I'm not going to change how I yeah. behave. Um, if you want someone who is deeply technical and is going to give you directives and those sorts of things, or if you're looking for a, someone who's a financially driven individual who's going to push you on the, like, let's focus only on your, you know, ROI or whatever, those people exist. They're, they're out there and you, and you can find them. Um, I'm not, I'm not those people. I will focus on financial outcomes. I will be, you know, focused on the technology you're building and, and do my best to make those, make those good choices. But, um, but that's not who I am. And if you do the work to find out who I am, it'll be very clear to you whether that's a good idea or not. You may <laughs> say like, Oh, Oh no, that is not a thing I want. Yeah. Now, I, I found out after five years or something. Right. And, and what about the, the, the moment, right? Because for a, for a founder or whatever, it could be, um, you know, like okay, where what where is the proper time to to look for a VC, right? Like it's it's too early in the process, or should I start earlier, or what what is what advice can you give to a founder, perhaps in whether you know what when to know when is the right time? Yeah, I mean, venture capital is a pretty simple thing. It's 
VCs are lovely and can be helpful in all of those things. But the principal advantage of venture capital is that we have capital, right? Mm -hmm. That you look at your business and you say, what is the limiting factor for me here? Is the limiting factor for me, you know, the capacity to hire more people, et cetera, or is it some other thing? And if what you are looking for is to accelerate hiring ahead of, you know, revenue, et cetera, then venture capital is a good fit for you because that's what we do. We say, I love your business. I think if you had another $5 million or $10 million or $2 million, that you could accelerate the growth of your business in a way that you can't without the capital. So mm-hmm. let's do that. I'll I'll give you $10 million. You'll give me 20% of your company and let's go make it grow faster. Um, the other thing is that venture investors obviously do have a lot of perspective. We've seen lots of companies. The fact that I've seen you know, four companies go from a handful of people to a multi-billion dollar public company mm-hmm. is a lot of perspective. So sometimes you say like, oh, I want that perspective and venture investors have it. Sometimes you want the, um, you know, the imprimatur that comes with having a venture investor. My partner, uh, Dave Marcord, who founded, founded August Capital, the, um, the firm where I started, was the only private investor in Microsoft and Microsoft did not need the money. But Bill Gates said, you know, I'm thinking of going public and I would love to have an, a, a venture investor and simultaneously both the credibility and the, mm-hmm. um, you know, the oversight and all of the things that come with it. And as a result, he took money from 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 Dave Marcord, who then sat on his board for 33 years. Talk about a long relationship. Yeah. That's, 33 that's a lot years. of commitment. Yeah. I, and I think it's, it's good to, you know, to, to explain that as well. The fact that, you know, a VC, I think it's not just, hey, you know, they throw the money and they leave the room for five years and then they come back asking for money, right? It's it's more like a a day-to-day relationship and they can bring more than the money, right? Like they can bring connections. They can. I hope. Yeah, yeah, well. (laughs) And actually that brings me to the, the, that question that I've met so many companies ask is what about that pitch deck? And there's so much, so much conversation around what the pitch deck should be. What, what do you want to see? Um, so do you have any advice for any company pitching, like what their pitch deck should be? Oh my God. Well, I mean, um, the, the shortest answer is I, I think every pitch deck should basically say, here is the problem. Mm -hmm. Here's why I am good person to understand or fix the problem. Here is my solution to the problem. The end. (laughs) <laughs> that's, I mean, that's literally it. It's like, there's a problem. There's a team of people who are approaching this problem and are the right people or not. And here's the solution that they're approaching the problem with. I suppose there's slightly more to it because then you have to say, okay, but is there a business here? Right. And so mm-hmm. you have to describe your business, but in almost every case, when there's a real problem and there's a real solution, the economics of that are not hard. That's easy. I remember talking to Dick Costello, who was the CEO of Twitter at the time, before they'd started monetizing Twitter. And I said, hey, are you worried at all about figuring out how to monetize this? And he was like, oh, it's like my hundredth problem. Like, I need this community grow. I need to worry about X, Y, and Z. Monetizing this is easy, which of course was true, right? At, At the end of the day, if you fixed safety and security and you had a growing community and you had massive engagement, 
monetization was simple. And that's really true across the board. You solve a hard problem and people will pay for it one way or the other. That That's gold. Um, I, I'm, I have so many ideas, David. I think we're, we're going to talk after that. <laughs> uh, I, you know, you said earlier that your VC style is about humans. And this is really, again, what resonated with me profoundly. And I know that you were included in Adam Grant's uh, book, Give and Take, Why Helping Others Drive uh, your success, Our Success. So do you want to talk to us a little bit about the background, how you ended up in the book and uh, yeah, and the whole story? Well, you know, I ended up in the book because of Silicon Valley Comes to the UK. Uh, it was many years before that. I don't know, 15 years ago. I've been going to Silicon Valley Comes to the UK for a decade and a half, maybe even more. And this is a great example of that. Like, I, you know, Reid Hoffman, who started the program, uh, the founder of LinkedIn, um, said to Sherry Kutu, oh, you know, my, my friend David went to Cambridge. Maybe he'd like to come. And Sherry reached out to me and said, hey, we have this program and we're teaching entrepreneurship to folks uh, in the UK. And do you want to come? And I said, yeah, of course I want to come. That sounds amazing. And I flew out and I got to spend a bunch of time in London and Cambridge. The program used to be in Oxford. And um, it was amazing. And during one of those events, I was talking with the editor of Wired UK and just chatting. And I, and as you mentioned earlier, I was, I was the first VC blogger. So at the time I was writing all sorts of stuff about venture capital that nobody was talking about. Mm -hmm. And people were sort of shocked. Like it was this black box and I, and I never understood why it should be a black box. Like, obviously the question is, what are you looking for? How can you, how can you help entrepreneurs be successful when they're pitching you? Um, and so I was chatting with this this uh, Wired editor, and he said, hey, if you ever want to write something for Wired, let me know. And I said, of course, I'd be thrilled mm -hmm. to, you know, super happy to. And that was a conversation. As I'm heading to the airport to fly home, I get a, a message from him. Hey, I had a columnist who dropped out. Do you have anything you want to talk about? And I had just that day read this article, I think in Stanford Magazine, where there was a research report where... Um, where they had determined that basically mean CEOs were more effective than nice CEOs. And this struck me as such garbage. Like it just was, it was such a, an experimental outcome that made no sense to me. And so I said to him, absolutely, I'd love to write something. When do you need it? And he said, well, if you could get it to me tomorrow, that'd be great. I said, no problem. I'm flying home. I'll write it on the plane. And so as I flew home, I wrote an article that ended up being entitled Nice Guys Finish First eventually. And it, and my point was, this study misses the point of business. Business is a very long-term event. Mm -hmm. If it's just a one-time experience, then you can be as big a jerk as you want. But the reality is yet your reputation follows you and you can't act like a jerk in the long, in the long term because it'll come back around. And that was so I wrote this article. I, lots of people online told me I didn't know what I was talking about. Who are you? And um, and Adam Grant was writing this book, Give and Take. And, and he reached out and said, I read this little article. Do you have time to chat? I said, I'm happy to chat with you. We ended up talking that first time for like two hours. And like, and he was like, how are, who are you? And how do you, do you really think this? And so I described mm -hmm. all sorts of things. And in particular, I described for him the very, the thing that is talked about in the first chapter of the book, where 
I was a nice guy. I gave an entrepreneur infinite time to decide what to do. And he ultimately chose to take someone else's money. And I said, wait a second, that's not right. Like I, you should take my money. I was the good guy and I gave you all this help and time, et cetera. And, um, and in the long run, that entrepreneur said, you're right. That was the, a wrong decision and I'm going to make sure you're an investor. And I've been an investor in that company. It's called Pay Near Me now for a decade. And the company's doing mm-hmm. fantastically. And the entrepreneur is, a, is an incredible person. And the reason in the end that I was able to be an investor in the company is because I was doing the right things. I was paying it forward. I was I was not putting undue pressure on him, et cetera. Um, and so Adam was, wait, that's, that's the story of being a giver, of being someone who ultimately does things for others and that over the long term, it comes back around and helps you to be successful. Um, so that's how I ended up in Give and Take. <laughs> that's incredible. I mean, th- this listening to you, I'm, I want to tell the audience who's going to listen to this is just keep going if you meet you know, VC that are not the fit, that are not who you think would work well with you, or that are jerks, you know, just keep going. Eventually you will meet that one person that that is great for you. Mm-hmm. And and I love how you, you spin it around and it's just like great. Thank you so much. I mean, David, you're we could stay, we and I'm very, very um your time is very valuable. So I we could stay here and talk for like an, a day, I think, Jaime, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's, it's all very no, it's but it's all very interesting, right? And it's all a lot of stuff that uh, normally don't get talked a lot, right? Like uh, I I guess you have to be on actually trying to get into VC to to get all that kind of information. Absolutely. So where do people uh, find more about you? Where do they follow what you're up to? And you said you had a blog as well and a podcast. So tell us a little bit more how people can, can follow you and hear more about what you do. Sure. I will admit, I wrote my blog for a decade. It was incredible. It was what I focused my attention on. And after after 10 years, I thought, like, there are better places to focus my attention. There were tons mm-hmm. of people blogging. And so if you go to Venture Blog now, you'll see a lot of great content that I think is still relevant, but you won't see a lot of new content. So <laughs> I really do need to start my podcast again because it was so fun. As you, you can see, I love this. This is yeah. incredibly fun. So I should get back to that. You know, the reality is uh, I, I spent a lot of time focused on this conference, the Lobby Conference, and you can check it out at um, thelobbyconference.com. Um and uh, otherwise, I'm 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 spending time engaging with folks on uh, on Facebook and on LinkedIn, and I'm easy to find and follow, and that's great. Uh, and if you want to reach out to me, that's easy. I'm Hornick H O R N I K at lobby dot vc, l o b b y dot vc. So, you know, I I mistakenly always say to people, I answer every email because <laughs> that's what I was going to ask you. I was going to say, do you want people to to reach out to you by email? I do. I do. I mean, and look at the vast majority of emails, of course, don't turn into outcomes. But on the other hand, you know, I don't understand what the alternative is. The alternative is to not read email or is to not encourage people to reach out with ideas or for mm-hmm. help or whatever. So, um, so yeah, Hornick at Lobby VC. Uh, that's incredible. I want to thank you for your time, and I'm sure Jaime will will echo this. Thank you for your time, insights. But to me, what really, really resonates is your kindness and the kind of human you are. 
And uh, I can't wait to, to connect with you in person soon. Um, and hopefully we'll see each other again at uh, Silicon Valley comes to the UK. I hope so. I look forward to it. And gr great talking to you and great meeting you, Jaime. And um, let me know how I can help. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you.